Frontier Gentlemen, here with an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual accounts. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the new territories. Now starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentlemen. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet. It's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful. Now here is your guide to these adventures of the mind. There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this Professor Bones Wonder Medicine has cured more than 3,000 cases of ague, 2,500 of chronic inflammatory rheumatism, 2,000 of green sickness, 1,000 of mercurial diseases, 1,500 of liver infection, and 6,000 of general debility. Matt, he ought to be hung. It purifies, cleanses, and strengthens the fountain springs of life. Matt, I've analyzed some of Bone's so-called medicine. It's got opium in it, for one thing. Well, you think it's dangerous? Of course it is. People can get in the habit, and what's worth is something is wrong with them, and they're taking the stuff they wouldn't find out until it's too late. Hey, everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to Gunsmoke. This episode is from November 14th, 1953. The episode is entitled Loot bone, and you just heard that this is just not some alcoholic beverage to hand out to people for 25 cents a bottle, but it's much more serious than that. At least back in the 1870s, they even knew about opium then. So, see what happens, and I'll be back with the final Frontier Gentleman episode. And then Gunsmoke's on its own for the next... Two or three weeks. Now, Post Toasties, the heat good cornflakes, is proud to present Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers. And that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. It's easy to do your whole tribe a big favor, Mother. Just pour every big and little Indian in your camp a breakfast bowl full of Post Toasties. Post Toasties, you know, are the heap good cornflakes. They're the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. Fresh as fresh can be. Say, Post Toasties are crackling crisp. Sweet kernel corn flavor. Toasted. That's post-toasties. 
Post-Toasties are packed with nourishment, too. A bowl of Post-Toasties with sugar and milk helps your big braves and little Indians start the day right. Get Post-Toasties soon. And now, Gunsmoke, starring William Conrad. Stranger in Dodge, Marshal. Well, I've only been gone a week, Sam. Hey, you got any rye left? Kitty over there has got the last bottle, Marshal. Oh? I'll have some tomorrow when Santa Fe gets in. Good. Meanwhile, I'll see if I can talk Kitty out of a drink. Sure. I heard you were back, Matt. How are you? Hey, you've been saving that bottle for me, Kitty? You know, I never drink rye. <laughs> Thanks. as I've been to civilization in the week. You find what you're after? Yeah, I found him. Yeah. What's that stuff you're drinking? This? Here. Keep the bottle on the floor. Looks better. Let me see that. Professor Bones Wonder Medicine. Celebrated vegetable pulmonic detergent. I hope it tastes better than it reads, Kitty. (laughs) Tastes fine, Matt. Makes you feel fine, too. Essential oil of worm seed, a new and valuable curative. Professor Bone, Ph.D. and Pulmist. Professor of Practical and Medical Botany, Natural and Civil History. <laughs> well, that makes sense. Where in the world did you get a hold of this? Well, everybody's taking it, Matt. Oh, I forgot you were away when Professor Bone arrived. Huh? You mean he's here in Dodge? Sure. Came last Thursday. Got a fancy wagon. They lectures from every day. But this time, as a matter of fact, you should hear him, Matt. He's great. Yeah, yeah. He must be. No, he really is. Well, what's in that tonic, Kitty? You're kind of misty already. Makes you feel great, Matt. Try some. Here. Uh, no, 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 thanks. I don't need any worm seed oil. Liquor does me all the harm I need. You'll buy some once you've heard him talk. He's awful smart, Matt. Yeah, yeah, he must be. He's a professor. It says so on the bottle there. I don't care if he's a professor or not. He makes wonderful tonic. Yeah, I can see that. Matt? Oh, I'm glad you're back. Yes, you come with me. Oh, uh, hello, Doc. Sit down. No, you come with me. Outside. I want you to see this spectacle. Huh? Oh, well, what are you talking about? By this red-nosed old scarecrow, Loot Bone. You ought to be tart and pepper, that's what. Oh, look. Look right there. There's a bottle of... Kitty, that's yours. It's good, Doc. Real good. I'm going to smash this bottle in the street. Oh. And if I find you drinking any more of it, I'll paddle you. That's what I'll do. Really, Doc? Oh. Oh, you see what it does to people? Come on, Matt. Okay, Doc. I might as well find out what this is all about. You'll excuse us, Kitty? You, not Doc. I mean what I said, Kitty. Boy. Yeah, let's go, Doc. Uh, 
There, there's his wagon. And look at that crowd of fools. What's so wrong with it, Doc? I'll tell you later. First, I want you to hear him talk. The man's demented, that's what. Ah, there he is, Matt, yes. Is he standing in the back of his wagon there? Yes. He's finished entertaining them now. We're just in time for the serious part. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. I discovered the formula for this famous elixir while serving as personal surgeon to the king of Santo Del Rio. Oh, the liar. Easy, Doc. Since that time... Professor Bones Wonder Medicine has cured more than 3,000 cases of ague, 2,500 of chronic inflammatory rheumatism, 2,000 of green sickness, 1,000 of mercurial diseases, 1,500 of liver infections, and 6,000 of general debility. Matt, he ought to be hung. It purifies, cleanses, and strengthens the fountain springs of life and infuses new vigor throughout the entire body. In fact, my friends, Professor Bones' wonder medicine will cure all disorders incident to the human race, without exception, no matter what the age, circumstance, or place of residence of the afflicted patient. Hey, Professor, I live on this stinking spring. Will it cure me? <laughs> You're drunk. What a day ever since I was weaned, Professor. I pity you, my friend. Professor, when I was 12, I got drunk and went to sleep at a hackerberry tree. I never did find out how I got down. <laughs> oh, don't laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, don't. Don't laugh. Pity the poor man, the poor wretch. Whiskey has him crushed in its foul trap. His eyes roomy, his brains awash, his manhood's gone. Are you shy up? Whiskey, I tell you. Whiskey did it. Any more talk about me, I'll put a bullet in you, Professor. Evil man, drunken specter. I'm telling you, no more. No, no more. Now, ladies and gentlemen, about to appear on the wagon beside me is a man you all know and respect. One of your finest and most worthy citizens. A man whose very presence contributes mightily to the progress of your fair town. A man whose soul is pure, but whose body, ah, whose body has been the host of five separate diseases, any one of which would soon have been fatal. But now he is saved. Three bottles of Professor Bones Wonder Medicine has done it, and and here he is to tell you of this miraculous cure in his own words. Step forward, sir, and speak. Speak for the sake of your fellow man. Great heavens, Matt! It's Chester. Chester. Hello, Mr. Dillon. Get on from there. Why, yes, sir. But my dear sir. You've got to talk to the people. Hurry it up, Chester. Well, who are you, sir? Where are you going now? No, come back here, you. Come back. Just go on with your lecture, Professor. Never mind about him. You should pick the wrong fine citizen, Professor. <laughs> hey, Professor. Yes, what? This here stuff of yours will cure anything? Anything, my friend. Every disorder known to the medical faculty. Well, my old man is 80. And 
he's got a beam stuck in his throat. <laughs> Don't I shut up, all of you. It's for true. How about it, Professor Willis? I'll come to see your father, sir. I'll visit him as soon as I'm able to pass a few bottles down among the good people gathered here. Uh, thanks. Hello, Mr. Dillon. Doc? Come on, let's get out of here. Yes. Of all people. I suppose he's got you all doped up with that stuff, too, Chester? Oh, it makes you feel great, Doc. Is that why you were up there? No, sir. I got a deal with the professor. He pays me $2.50 a day and gives me all the medicine I can drink. Free. It's idiots like you that made it possible for such quackery, Chester? Now, here, Doc, I'm not an idiot. You've been acting like one, but that's not what's important. Now, I've analyzed some of Bone's so-called medicine. It's got opium in it, for one thing... Do well, you think it's dangerous? Of course it is. People can get in the habit, and what's worth is something is wrong with them, and they're taking the stuff they wouldn't find out until it's too late. You've got to stop this business, Matt. Yeah, I suppose you're right, Doc. Either you stop him or... or by heaven, I'll shoot him. Now, I'm serious, Matt. All right, Doc, all right. I'll talk to him a little later. In the meantime, you stay away from him, Chester. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, Mr. Dillon. I didn't know. Marshal. Now, uh, let's sit at a table over there, huh? Come on. I'm at your service, Marshal. Watch you sit down. Thank you. And uh, to what do I owe this honor, sir? It uh, isn't exactly an honor, Professor. I want you to stop putting opium in that stuff you're selling. Oh, well. Come now, Marshal. Surely you don't believe... Doc Adams has analyzed it, Professor, and either you make it harmless or I'm going to run you out of Dodge. Yes, yes, I believe you would. Now, you're free to sell it and you're free to do all the talking you want, but that's all. I'm I'm a lonely old man, Marshal, and I'm tired of wandering. I'll do what you say. Good. I, uh... Hope you don't get into trouble with your preaching about liquor, Professor. I have been fighting against drink ever since I was a youth. Oh? Well, what about opium? Isn't that just as bad? Well, I don't sell enough to do any harm, Marshal. Maybe, but why are you so strong about whiskey? When I was a child of 12, my grandfather got drunk and threw a pet owl onto a horse that was standing nearby. What? And he did. And it frightened the horse into kicking an orphan boy broke the rim of his belly. That boy died, Marshal. Oh, oh, I see. 
Special phone. Ah, Mr. Reeves. Welcome, sir. And how is your good father? Marshal, I'm glad you're here. Oh, what's the trouble, Reeves? It's here now, Professor. He's a trouble. I'll tell you. My old man, he had a bean stuck in his throat. The professor told me to give him a steam bath and then throw cold water on him. And I was doing it. But well, what for? Well, so he'd catch cold and get a cough and bring up the bean. Oh, well, of all... But it didn't work, Mr. Reeves? It killed him. It what? My old man is dead. Dead? Good heavens, poor fellow. Now, I'm going to kill you, Professor. No, you're not. No, but no man can die of a mere cold, Mr. Reeves. Something must have gone wrong. Something went wrong, all right. Uh, come on. We'll get dark and go see what this is all about. And you'll get the idea of shooting anybody out of your head, Reeves. Maybe I will. on at your house at breakfast? Well, you can take it from me. The best thing that can go onto your breakfast table is Post Toasties. Yes, sir, Post Toasties, the heat good cornflakes. Those golden crisp cornflakes are the best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. You know how to prove it? Just pour out breakfast bowlfuls of Post Toasties for your whole tribe. Then watch how they enjoy them. Post Toasties are crisp and tasty. From the first bite down to the last spoonful, that sweet kernel corn flavor makes your breakfast. So always ask for Post Toasties, the heap good cornflakes. Post Toasties heap good cornflakes. The best thing that's happened to corn since the Indians discovered it. Heap good cornflakes. Post Toasties heap good cornflakes. Remember, Post Toasties is one of the famous triple-wrapped Post cereals, guaranteed fresh, or triple your money back. Now back to Gunsmoke. Professor Bone wasn't a normal, everyday-type citizen. But he wasn't a murderer either. And whatever had gone wrong and killed Reeves' father couldn't be blamed entirely on him. Reeves had been a fool to follow his advice in the first place. Doc told him so, too, in as many ways as he could think of. We found the old man still lying in the steam bath Reeves had made. All he'd done was to dig a big hole in the ground with a fire pit in the middle and then stretch some canvas across the top for a roof. Doc climbed down into it, and after a few minutes, he came back out again. Well, Reeves, all I can figure is your father died of a heart attack. I don't believe it, Doc. That old man was strong as a bull. Well, I know that, but there's nothing else that could have caused it. How long did you have him in there, Reeves? Oh, maybe half hour, Marshal. He was having a fine time when I left him. He poured a whole jug of vinegar on them rocks. I went up to the house to get some more. Oh, wait a minute. What'd you say? Uh, vinegar? Sure. Professor here said it'd help him to sweat. Wait a minute. 
Yes, I thought so. Well, it's the vinegar that killed him, Reeves. What do you mean? That's limestone you used in there, isn't it? Well, limestone is... All right. You put vinegar on hot limestone, and it'll make acid gas. And that's what suffocated your pa. I I didn't tell you to use limestone, Mr. Reeves. You you can't blame me for that. No, but the vinegar was your idea, Professor, and I still say you murdered him. Now, wait a minute, Reeves. You're not being sensible. This thing was an accident, that's all. Huh? I'm not a murderer. I never hurt anybody in my life. You don't even know what you do, you old fake. Selling that slop of yours loaded with narcotics. Did you tell him to stop that, Matt? Yeah, yeah, Doc. He said he would. My medicine is as pure as the dew, gentlemen. A newborn babe could drink it. Don't let me catch you giving Sandy newborn babes. I'm going to analyze it every day you're here. And I hope that won't be much longer. Oh, I'm a lonely old man, sir. The only home I have is in my wagon. Well, then go live in it somewhere else. You've caused enough trouble around here. Doc, take it easy on him. Am I to be banished from the face of the earth? Am I not a man like any other man? Do you think I have no heart, no feelings, no soul? Oh, why don't you just shut up and get out of here? I want to bury my old man. I would gladly help you in that task, Mr. No, sir. No, sir, not you. Not by a long sight. You are unkind, sir. Gentlemen, I take my leave of you. Good day. For some reason, the three of us stood there in silence and watched Professor Bone walk away. He stopped once and glanced back at us for a moment, then went on. Later, when we got back to Front Street, his wagon was gone, and we figured probably that would be the last that we'd see of him. Dodge was fairly quiet that night. And when somebody reported seeing a fire of some kind out on the prairie, I decided I might as well ride out and have a look. There's no flames left, Mr. Dillon. I guess it must be all burned out. I don't remember a house of any kind around here. I wonder what it was. Well, maybe just a prairie fire that didn't get really started. Yeah. Oh, there's something, Chester. Over there. Yeah, I can see a few coals. Hold Why, it's a wagon, Mr. Dillon. It's all burned up. That's Professor Bone's wagon, Chester. Golly, sir, you're right. That's his horse, too. Professor! Professor Bone! Now, let's take a look here. Where in the world could he be, Mr. Dillon? I don't know, Chester. Uh, uh, Look out now. I'm going to move some of this. Yeah, I'll help you. 
right there. Yeah. You think that's a profession? I'm afraid so, Chester. Poor old fella. He must have been asleep and his wagon caught fire. Maybe. Funny he couldn't get out, though. Unless he was drunk or something. Professor Bone didn't drink, Chester. That's right, I forgot. He sure didn't. Say, you think maybe somebody did this, Mr. Dillon? Well, he had two or three men pretty mad at him. Yeah, or, or maybe it was Indian. Oh, not this close to Dodge. No. No, I guess not. I don't know, Chester. A lot of things can happen to people who get too lonely. Now, come on, let's get out of here. We'll take care of him in the morning. In just a moment, we'll tell you about next week's adventure on Gunsmoke. Say, exciting things happen to breakfast when there's sugar crinkles at every place. Sure, new sugar crinkles make breakfast more fun than a circus. You know why? Sugar crinkles is the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. Not too sweet, the way some sugar-coated cereals seem to be, and not like others that aren't sweet enough. Sugar crinkles, every golden crisp nugget of them, is just right sweet. So try starting your day off just right with new sugar crinkles. And don't forget, when you're listening to the radio or watching television, sugar crinkles make great snacks. From the bowl or from the pack for your breakfast or a snack, sugar crinkles are more fun than a circus. Try sugar crinkles soon. They're the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. So better get several packages. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in the cast were John Daner, Barney Phillips, Paul Dubov, and Lawrence Dobkin. Harley Bear is Chester, Howard McNear is Doc, and Georgia Ellis is Kitty. Ken Peters speaking. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, avenges a killing during his fight to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Listen next week at this time when Gunsmoke will be brought to you by Sugar Crinkles, the sugar rice treat that's just right sweet. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob, welcoming you to the final episode of Frontier Gentlemen. 
This episode is from November 16th, 1958, and the episode is entitled Random Notes. I can't help but feel that if they would have gone on, all of these stories in Random Notes would have been a full episode. And it's too bad, too, because they all sound really interesting. There's a couple that were repeated that they actually did do stories on. But for the most part, this is all what you know seemed to me like new things that they were working on for future episodes of Frontier Gentlemen that they never got to, which is a shame. But be that as it may, it's as very interesting to hear these brief stories and gives you a real good picture, a clear picture of what the Wild West was really like during the time of J.B. Kendall. So enjoy this final episode of Frontier Gentlemen. And in three weeks or so, I'll be giving you Have Gun Will Travel. It occurs to me that in this, my last report to the London Times, there are many incidents which I have omitted, things seen and heard during these several months of my journeys through the American West. Here, then, some random notes. Frontier Gentlemen! an Englishman's account of life and death in the West. As a reporter for the London Times, he writes his colorful and unusual stories. But as a man with a gun, he lives and becomes a part of the violent years in the territories. Now, starring John Daner, this is the story of J.B. Kendall, Frontier Gentleman. notes are being written as I journey by train to New York. From there I shall board a ship for England and home. I recall in the Montana Territory town of Helena, a tall gentleman in high hat, black broadcloth frock coat, a dirty shirt with a torn paper collar, and the most singularly unpressed pair of nankeen trousers. He stood outside a saloon with a small case of bottles set before him. About a dozen men and women were crowded around, and a small yellow dog slumbered at his feet. Yes, sir, yes, lady, it's here. Here in this little bottle. Magic, you ask? No, say I, not magic. Pollock's original Mameluke liniment, a sovereign remedy for man and beast. It is confidently recommended to the afflicted as an infallible remedy for the following diseases. To wit, burns, cramps, pains in the joints, sore throat, frosted feet. Rheumatism, spinal complaints, lumbago, old sores, cuts, bruises, swellings, sprains, pains in the back or sides, headache, cutaneous affections, ague cake, bites of insects or reptiles, salt room, mange, cracked hands, tetter, dysentery, cholera morbus, and cholera. What about the heaves, mister? Ah, the heaves you are, sir. And in this bottle, the answer to your question, sir. Pollock syrup of sassafras, or cure. 
Nature's noblest remedy for heaves. Consumption bronchitis, group or hives. Colds, coughs, asthma, hoarseness, difficulty of breathing, purifying the blood, whooping cough, and a dozen ailments too. Horrible to mention. Ladies and gentlemen, it costs only 25 cents for one bottle. Or as an added inducement for your health, ladies and gentlemen, Pollock's original Mameluke liniment and a bottle of Pollock's syrup of sassafras. Both for the small sum of 40 cents. Think of the dollars and suffering you will save by this miraculous I remember the duel fought between two ladies, rivals for the dubious hand of a swaggering young Lothario named Court Thompson. The entire town turned out for the event. The duelists were Matty Silks and Katie Fulton. They were to fire at ten paces, and all was in readiness. Well, sir, if you ask me, my money's on Matty. Matty? Why, sure, everybody knows Matty Silks. You mean you ain't visited? No. I got ten dollars says you blow Katie Fulton's bustle clean out of the county. Aside from Court Thompson, Matty ain't standing for Katie's bar being on the same street. Just real bad feeling. Well, which is Court Thompson? Feller standing next to Matty. Oh, he's a one. He is. Uh, you got to excuse me now, mister. I've been selected to count off the steps. All right, folks. Stay back. Let's get out of here. Duel of honor. Matty, Katie, you know the rules. Ten paces and I count three and you start shooting. Let's go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ready, ladies? One, two, three. You killed me! I'm shot! It was Katie Fulton's shot that missed Matty Silks and hit Court Thompson. Some said she'd done it purposely. Others argued that it was an accident. At any rate, Matty took the wounded Don Juan home, and as far as I know, their love burgeoned from that moment on. I shall continue these notes after the next stop, which is Chicago.
remember an old man, a miner I met in Fort Benton. His name was Shorthorn Tom. On our journey to locate his lost mine, he gave me an insight into Western speech, which I have found to be most valuable. He was leading a balky mule along a winding trail, and the air was blue with invective. <coughs> oh, it ain't really cussing. Just sort of air in your lungs. Now, you take that mule. I call him a son of a gun. Now, that ain't rightly so, because anybody can see he ain't nothing but a son of a mule. <laughs> but he's a no-good son of a gun, because that's the way it goes, see? Uh, yes, yes, I, I follow you. Now, speaking of that, what exactly is son of a gun stew? Son of a gun stew? Yes. Shucks, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's just about the best thing a man ever put in his insides. It's got brains and sweet breads. Well, gotta be fresh killed cat. Gotta be. And tongue, liver, light, heart, kidney. Oh, ho, ho. I tell you, mister, that is a something. <laughs> That's better than poop any day. Yes, sir. When I find this claim, I'm gonna get me a set of store-bought teeth. And I'll show you how to make a son of a gun stew. <laughs> you can throw everything in except the hair, horns, and holler. Ho, oh, ho. That's a real grub. Yes, Sounds <laughs> Tell me, what's a hard tail? Oh, it's just a mule. Like this ornery stump-sucking son of a gun. A hard tail mule. Hear it. Stump-sucker? Ain't you never seen a horse getting his teeth against something and sucking wind? That's what a stump-sucker is. Ah, oh, you don't want nothing to do with a critter like that. <clears throat> no, sir. No. I've heard the expression, riding herd on a woman. Oh, that's courting, riding herd, courting. <laughs> Boy, you stick around old shorthorn Tom, he'll have you talking smart as a bunkhouse rat. Gee, you know what we call a fellow like you, green from the east? Tenderfoot, button, dude, prune picker, pilgrim, softhorn, greener. <laughs> what about you? Me? A rawhide, coffee cooler, pocket hunter, river sniper... Of course, fellas call me a lot of other things, too. <laughs> it don't really matter what they call you. It's what you are that counts. Now, I take you for a good partner, mister. Real good. Shorthorn Tom never did find his lost mine. He died up in the Highwood Mountains. I was with him. Then there was the performance of a fellow that I witnessed in Kansas... The Frontier Theatrical Players. Othello was a fine, powerful fellow with a broad Texas accent. A cowhand, recruited by the wife of a ranch owner. Needless to say, the wife played Desdemona. Unfortunately, Othello had a scant three days in which to memorize his part. The resultant scene I report verbatim. That handkerchief which I give, give to you... I'll give it to Cassio. No, by my life and soul. Send for the man and ask him. No, I don't want no sweet talk, honey. You all take you to perjury because you are on thy deathbed. Aye, but not yet to die. Yeah. So you confess freely about all that sin. For. For. For to deny. For to deny. Each article with oath cannot remove or choke. Uh, something, something that I do grunt. Honey, you all gonna die. Mercy. Amen. 
And have you mercy, too. I never did offend you in my life, never loved Cassio, but with such general warranty of heaven as I might yeah. love, I Look, never give him I token. Saw, I saw, you know, the handkerchief, everything, I saw he, it. Uh, he found it, then. I never gave it him. Send for him hither. Let well, him... he confessed. What, my lord? Well, you know he, uh... He's been dealing off he of the bottom. He will not say so. He won't for a fact. Honest Iago stopped his mouth. Oh, my fear interprets. What is he, Dad? Had all of his hair been lives. My great revenge had stomach for all of us. Alas, he is betrayed and I undone. I'll strump it. Weep thou for him in my face. Oh, banish me, my lord, but not kill me. I'll strump Kill me tomorrow. Let me live tonight. No, sir. But half an hour. Being done, there is no pause. But while I say one it's prayer. It's too late. You take your hands off this food, sir. I'll come up there and rip a high. The player's conclusion had deviated somewhat from Shakespeare's intent, but I found it nonetheless dramatic. I've often wondered whether the Texas Othello continued his thespian career. He could have had a fortune in London. Uh, speaking of fortunes reminds me of an extraordinary thing that happened in Montana Territory. I shall note it down after dinner. car that's sized just right for the needs and tastes of the times. It's the Lark by Studebaker, your new dimension in motoring. The Lark gives you big car spaciousness on the inside, it's seat six, and small car convenience on the outside. It's nearly three feet shorter than conventional cars. Smartly styled, beautifully engineered, the Lark looks better and drives better than many expensive cars, yet costs less to buy, far less to operate. It's your new dimension. In motoring today, it's the Lark by Studebaker. See it today, the Lark. mention an event in Montana Territory, but it happened to a Chinese gentleman named Li Chao. He was a well-educated man, scrupulously honest, and ran a general supply store in Helena. During the few days of my visit, I had enjoyed several cups of tea and one or two chess games with him. I remember that one afternoon, he seemed quite excited. His hand shook as he poured the tea. This is a momentous day for me, my friend Kendall. Oh, you are the first to know. I am a mine owner. No. Look. A legal document which gives me possession of the lucky hand plus a claim. I have paid for it with my life's earnings. $40,000. You know that uh, some men have been bringing me their gold dust to keep for them, as in a bank? Yes, I remember you telling me. Uh, it was their claim that I bought. Uh, it took much time. 
much trade talk, but finally they agreed to sell. Now I am a mine owner. As soon as I have made my fortune, Kendo, I shall return to China and live the remainder of my life in peace and security. Li Chao was evidently the last or next to last man in Helena to find out what had happened. I heard it three days later from the barber who was shaving me. Hey, mister, it's the biggest joke in Helena since old man Hornaday strung up that mule for kicking his wife. You mean you ain't heard? No. Yeah, a Chinese gent along the street, Lee Chow, bought himself a mine. Yes, I know. You know it's salted? Salted? He's paid 40000 for a salted mine. What the boy's done was to take him a bag of gold dust every day to hole for him. Lee figures they got a whopper claim. He wants to buy in partners. No, sir, says they. And then when Lee's prime real good. The boys figure is how they've done enough work, they're ready to sell out. Lee Chow buys for $40,000, the fellas take your dust and vamoose, leaving Lee Chow with a deed to a vegetable farm. That's all it's good for. Well, does he know yet? If he don't, he's the only man in hell that ain't. Well, what about the men who sold the claim to him? Well, last I heard, they was headed for California. Good morning, my friend Kendall. Good morning, Mr. Lee. You appear downcast. Is something the matter? Well, I've just heard some rather bad news. It's it's about your claim. Oh? You've been cheated, Mr. Lee. There's no gold. The men who sold it to you knew it. So? But I, I do not understand. Yesterday, my boys who are working for me, they bring me a sack of dust. Here. See for yourself. It is the same as I have seen before. Your workers took this out of the claim? It is just as it has always been. I, I, I don't understand this talk of cheating. Neither do I, Mr. Lee. There are. Here is my friend, Ji Ping. He very fine miner working for me. Good morning, Ji. Good morning, Lee. Good morning, honored sir. Good morning. My, my friend here, Kendall, he's worried about the claim. You worried? Why? There is talk of uh, salting the mine. Then salt is of gold. Here, from work of yesterday. One ounce more than first day. Ah, uh, I do not know from where you hear this bad news, my friend Kendo. But if the rest of my life is as unfortunate, I shall indeed be a rich and happy man. Will you take a cup of tea with me? Perhaps a game of chess? A day or so later, I left Helena and didn't return for about three weeks. Then it was only to spend an hour or so arranging for transportation to Fort I went to the store of Mr. Lee Chow and found to my surprise that it was closed. I walked to the barber shop and over a hair trimming learned what had happened during my absence. Lee Chow, Mr. You whispered that name around these parts. Say, ain't I seen you before? Yes, I came in for a shave a few weeks ago. Yeah, never forget a face. Well, what about Lee Chow? Gone. China, they say. Well, what happened? It's all I claim of his. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, maybe you are, but there's a passel of fellas around here who ain't. 
You know what that son of a gun did? What? Salted his mind. Ain't that huh. something? Everybody figuring Lee Chow an honest man, and he salts a mind. Shows you. Well, how? I mean, I thought the claim had turned out to be good. What do you what do you call it? A bonanza? Yeah, that's what everybody thought. You know what he was doing? Every day he had one of his coolies bring in a sack of dust, made sure people saw it. After a while, fellow gun figuring that Lee really had struck pay dirt. A couple of them went into Lee's place, showed him a sack of dust. He showed it to me. Sure he did. And he had one other sack. That's all he had. When he kept it in the store, the other he'd give back to the coolie and bring it in the next day. <laughs> and ain't nothing to laugh at, mister. You know what he done? <laughs> no. I haven't any, any idea. Sold that worthless bit of ground for 100000 Yes, sir, 100000 Then skips off to China. <laughs> Biggest swindle I've ever seen in the territory. Fellows who bought it found out the next day. I have thought of the outlaw, Dick Gillis, and the interview I had with him in Virginia City. He had been convicted of holding up the stage and the murder of two men. We talked in his cell, the marshal sitting outside at his desk, keeping a watchful eye on us. Gillis was quite proud to be the subject of an English newspaperman's report. Perhaps he colored his life for that reason. I'll never be quite sure. I'm 36. 36 years out of a mother's arms I never knew. She went up Salt River when I was born, Javi. My pa... He were a wicked old so-and-so, used to beat the tar out of me. I run away from home when I was ten. Where did you go? Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado. I've been all over. I've seen more than most men see in five lifetimes. Less than I wish I had. What made you start just being an outlaw? Man doesn't start, mister. Shucks, I was born outlaw. Did my first killing when I was ten. Shot me my pa's horse. That's how come I run away. Why did you shoot his horse? I don't know. Because I guess the old varmint cared more for horse flesh than for his own son, maybe. I sure hated that critter. If I hadn't killed the horse, I'd have killed the old man. Now, that's for sure. How many men have you killed? In fair fight, two. No matter telling it now, because I'm going to hang anyway. Seven. Seven I killed in hate, for killing's sake. Do you have a girl? I got a wife. Ain't seen her for three years now. There's a kid, too. But I never did go back. I guess is how they'll manage along. You know, a man like me oughtn't take up with a wife and her kids. There's something all fired wrong. Wrong? Fella like me, I know I done bad. I know I'm going to hang. There ain't no one going to sorrow. I kind of wish that weren't so. What do you think? I know what you mean. If I had me a forty-four, I'd shoot my way out of here and I'd head for the hills and live, you know? Funny how quick a man forgets the smell of grass and sage. I should have been one of them poet fellas. I, I knew Jack Crawford once. You ever meet up with him? No. I'd like to ask you a favor, mister. What is it? You write what I'm telling you in that English paper of yours. You say maybe somebody sorrowed when I got my neck broke, huh? Make it up maybe like my wife or kid heard, and they sorrowed. I will. Day comes when man gets to be alone. Ain't nothing more to look at except what's inside. <laughs> I sure hadn't ought to kill that horse, you know? are some of the things which I've seen, heard, 
during my travels. I find myself despondent at the thought of leaving this country and its people, yet my sadness is tempered with the realization that perhaps someday I shall come back to the great American West, which for the past several months has been my home. About the little white tablets in the little green pocket row. Just a waiting for the moment when you need them to bring your acid indigestion under control. Chums are the little white tablets in the little green pocket row. Chums for the tummy. T-U-M-S Bring relief quicker than you'd ever guess Best for any kind of acid distress Keep them handy in the pocket row Keep your tummy under Tums control Tums are fast, effective, and safe Tums relieve the discomfort of acid indigestion quickly With no danger of acid rebound Sometimes caused by harsh alkalizers Always carry Tums, 10 cents. Three-roll pack, a quarter. New six-roll pack with free metal carrier, 49 cents. Frontier Gentlemen was written, produced, and directed by Anthony Ellis and stars John Daner as J.B. Kendall. Featured in the cast were Ben Wright, Virginia Gregg, Lawrence Dobkin, Joseph Kearns, Vic Perrin, Jack Crucian, Jack Moyles, and Harry Bartell. Bud Sewell speaking. CBS Caution Before Speed. This is the CBS Radio Network. Thank you.